Hey everyone, this week we are doing Solo, a Star Wars story, and in honour of that, as I'm sure Jared explained, we are doing our episodes solo. Solo, we're doing them solo, this week is solo, this one is mine. I really like the film. I, uh, a lot of people don't seem to be enjoying it as much as I did. I really, really did enjoy it, and I'm going to talk about what I enjoyed about it. Um, I'm, I'm going to try and run through this chronologically, and I'm sure I will veer off into um, my traditional tangents at different points. Uh, from the very start, I liked that um, you could see, as soon as you're on Corellia, you could see them building shipyards in space, which was really cool. We've never seen that before. Um, you always wonder where these things come from. I thought that was kind of badass to see. Um, it, it, the title said Solo, a Star Wars story, which I had to go back to Rogue One to check whether they did that, and they didn't. So it was interesting to see that these are now sort of branded as a Star Wars story on screen and whether they continue that. When we're introduced to our two leads, we don't know how old they are. I thought they were probably younger than they appear to be as the film goes on. I wondered if they were teenagers at the start. Um, Game of Thrones lady had her little bob cut, which which is like a little, you know, made me think of sort of teenage teenagers in the 50s. Um, and I thought that was cool when they were doing their little sort of... Uh, running around kind of stuff at the start with all the uh, the slave kids in a, a sort of um, Oliver Twist kind of scenario. Um, I like the thermal detonator trick hand pulled um, with his little, it's a thermal detonator. And the um, Lady Proxima just kind of goes, no, you don't, you just clicked with your mouth. Um, and it reminded me of a scene in a, in a film from a while back called Titan AE. I say a while back, I think it's 20 odd years ago now. Um, where the where two people try and use a similar, uh, similarly poor uh, uh, gambit to try and gain access to something, uh, wearing bed sheets and 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 things like that, and pretend to be slaves and um, and get called out on it while it's happening, which was one of the best moments in that movie for me. You're lying. He's not a slave, and you're not traitors. He doesn't carry himself like a slave. Look at the way he stands. How, uh... Probably ex-military. Ukrainian traders always threaten before they ask a favorite's tradition. <laughs> and your robes are made out of bed springs. Uh -huh. mm. Just out of curiosity, did we have a plan B? <laughs> As that sequence continues, you get to see a planet under Empire rule, which is something I don't think we've ever seen before, and was really kind of interesting to see. You get to see what almost to an extent life is like and how much the Empire and the troopers and stuff care and how much they don't um, about what's happening on that planet as it's going on. Um, and it made me laugh that the Empire used the uh, Imperial Death March for recruiting, if you know, albeit in a jaunty version, um, which I hope is available online. If it is, I might drop it in. Um, the whole chase thing I thought was kind of kind of quite cool. It was, you know, again, it harkened back to that 1950s vibe that the film had, like street racing almost to an extent, you know, boosting cars and stuff. And it reminded me specifically of a, of a bit from Police Academy, I think, when Mahoney comes into it and he's parking cars for a living and uh, some important guy comes up and they're like, park this car. And Mahoney goes, there's no space. And then and then he drives it sideways and just dumps it and, uh, and just yells, the damn thing fits. It fits! Damn thing fits! I thought there were no more spaces. Lion idiot or what? From there, we go to the the bit with the Starship Troopers bit three years later on the planet, which I thought was kind of cool. It was nice to get a sense of what was happening around the the galaxy, I suppose, um, at that point, and and to see a sort of sort of botched ground invasion thing was kind of interesting to me. Uh, and it was a little bit kind of like this is how this looks, and you know, you get to see how Corellia looks and the shipyards, and then you get to see what life is like for the for the sort of underclasses of Corellia, and then you jump to a war. And then, so there was a lot of jumping around in the universe that I really enjoyed. Um, 
and the obvious through line of um, both Starship Troopers and that one episode of Futurama that I can't remember the name of, where they're the invading force. You know, they, the hand literally says it. You know, it's their planet. We're the hostiles. Um, and he's cursed out for it by his leader, which I, you know, which I dug. I dug all that sort of stuff. The whole, um, the idealistic, cocky, young, arrogant Han in this is, you know, it's. I feel like it's quite fresh. I quite enjoyed the take on it. And although this film isn't the entire journey, I think the journey to becoming the Han we know and love is going to be interesting. Um, you get the introduction of uh, the introduction rather of um, of Chewbacca at that point, uh, and as John Favreau calls him, uh, a Wookie constantly says Wookie, which I, made me laugh. Whoa, is that a Wookie? Um, and just John Favreau in general as the uh, as Rio was um, was great. The whole journey at this point in the film really interested me because I really liked how it put Han in the role of Luke in the original Star Wars, where he becomes the audience surrogate where you're you're seeing everything through Han's eyes and in the way that you saw it through Luke's in the original. And it's kind of interesting to take a, a side character, you know, a, a character a lot of people view as a hero, and, and then place him right as the audience surrogate. So you kind of get to experience things through him and stuff rather than him being like this kind of cipher towards the side, which I thought worked really well in this. And I think actually... Um, will will hopefully sort of bring a newer audience to it. The whole thing actually played as a, a like a a young adult version of Star Wars to me, like um like it fit quite well against like Hunger Games or or something like that. And that's that's something I think is going to bring in new fans. Like they'll it'll encourage this kind of new people to Star Wars. And I I really liked that about it. I thought it was kind of really cool to. It both felt fresh, but it also felt very balanced in the lore. And I know some people are having problems with that, but the fact that it did manage to, 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 for me at least, balance those two things and add new stuff and wrap a nice story around it and give us some things we've never seen in Star Wars worked really well for me. Um, the Also, the kind of music is kind of like a greatest hits record introduction to Star Wars, I think, which is, I think the whole thing feels like it could be a lot of people's first Star Wars, which, I you know, I, I like. Um, from there we go to the train heist which I thought was a great sequence and it, I think at this point it was really beginning to dawn on me how good the film looked um, how real the film looked how you know everything you saw on Corellia whether it was digital or physical really did um, feel had weight to it it felt real and it's it's a lot of it is on uh, Bradford Young the cinematographer who has had um, at least three appearances in my top ten of the year um, listings till now uh, I do these silly top tens of the year with some friends of mine, and he's had three films in those in the last couple of years. So for him to be shooting a Star Wars now is really exciting to me, and I, I hadn't occurred to me until uh, the film, until I clocked that the film was looking so good that I was like, oh yeah, who shot this? And he did, and he before that, you know, he shot Arrival, he shot Selma, he shot A Most Violent Year, all of which appeared in my top tens in the last three to five years. Um, He's also in a. Uh, if you're interested in cinematography, he was also a talking head in a great documentary called um, Side by Side, which is about film versus digital in cinematography. And uh, as far as I'm aware, and certainly by the look of this film, the very sort of um, uh, naturally lit, well, or, or um, the illusion of natural lighting on set and the very low lighting levels and stuff, and how how sort of. Um, not grey, but how kind of it has this kind of sheen to it, and you know, there's a lot of shadow, there's a lot of high contrast stuff. Um, it had this feel of, of digital photography at its best for me. Um, not necessarily colourless, I suppose. Some people might say it's kind of colourless, but 
it certainly had um, a, a unique look to it that I don't think would have been replicated in one of the major episodes on film. And I love that we're in a an era with Star Wars now where um, the films can feel kind of consistent in terms of the world they're in, but also experimental in 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 things like like what Ryan Johnson did with the Last Jedi and how that looked and and then this one looking kind of so different but still feeling like it's in this lived in world and is consistent to uh to the Star Wars um that will come in the original trilogy. Uh I think this one looks amazing and I think it's really cool. Um uh from there we go to uh human moodring Paul Bettany on his uh on his uh, amazing a space yacht and um and he i've loved him since killing it in the 90s which was a dreadful mini series that i have very fond memories for and probably shouldn't ever rewatch. but he's back on form playing like a twitchy psychopath after after playing like vision for the marvel movies and stuff like that and having this nobility to him he's back in that kind of like he's you know he could switch any minute from from about to uh be your best friend to to about to murder you and I, I i it's nice to see him back in that form i also kind of dug his weird angry light up face and bloodshot eyes um uh, and the fact that his head appeared to be held together by like there was a seam running up the one side of his head and it seemed to be held together with like a bit of tape or something like that which i kind of dug um also in that scene, there are two um, it's two deliveries of the word all right um, banged up right against each other. He turns to Kira at one point and after he's told her he's going to go with it, and he goes, you know, you're going to go with him. And he goes, all right. And it's like, I will murder you if you don't. And then he turns back to everyone else in the room and just goes, all right. And it's kind of like, I'm your best friend again. And that just typifies this performance. He's right on the knife's edge all the time. And I really dug that. Um uh, in terms of him coming in as a, a you know, in the reshoots with uh, Ron Howard's end of the film, um, the whole film to me felt very, very consistent. It felt like a film that was authored by one person. It felt very um, uh, um, uniform, I suppose would be the term for it. And I and, and not like a mess. I can usually feel the seams in these things. Um you know, for better or for worse, like Rogue One had it and um, Justice League definitely had it and the Fantastic Four, um, uh, the Josh Trank Fantastic Four, the more recent one, definitely had it where you could feel, you know, everything changed because someone else was directing or because there was a reshoot. And this film didn't have that at all. And, and so I never, until the end, I, I wasn't really questioning it. Um, and I had to think back and, you know, okay, so what, if it's seventy thirty, like the like the the internet said that seventy percent was Ron Howard's and thirty percent was um, uh, Chris Lord and Phil Miller, um, or is it the other way around? Phil Miller and Chris Lord? No, yeah, um, you know what was theirs and who what was whose, and you couldn't really feel it because it did feel such a consistent presentation. Um, and I uh, there were two moments for me that felt like they were probably. Um, uh, Lord Miller's, which was uh, um, during the Sabat game, there's a moment where uh, um, Han is uh, having a go at the guy with the six eyes next to him because one of his eyes is on his cards, and he turns to him and goes, no, keep your eyes on your cards, and uh, and the guy's turning, and I think it's probably an improv based on the fact that the guy who was performing the thing turns a little bit, and the car, his cards turn to him, and he goes, well, now I can see your cards, and that felt like an improv, that felt like that some of that scene at least probably came from the Lord Miller one, and later on, there's a bit um, with uh, Woody Harrelson where the when the one cannon gets ripped off and it cuts back to him and he's like, ah, I really hurt my thumbs. And uh, and I felt like that was probably a Lord Miller bit as well. Um, 
those were the only two bits. Those, and that was in terms of like thinking back through it. That wasn't okay. So you know, what scenes were what, and how did they feel? Like it to me, it felt very consistent, which I really liked. Um, we also, also obviously in that uh, before then, we have the we have um, Kira and Han reunited for the first time, and I. Um, although it's kind of very surface level, you know, plays into my theory of it being like a young adult film, um, which don't take that as a negative. Like there's a big audience for those films and they really have their place. And I, I respond to a lot of them and I, I really do like this one. So it's not a negative to me uh, to call it that. It's actually quite high praise. And I think if if Star Wars can do everything like that, it can do big blockbusters, it can do... Um, you know, young adult films like this, and it can be, it can play to everyone. I think you've got something really fantastic, which is what I would think everyone wants Star Wars to develop into if the, there are going to be more of them. Um, yeah, and I, uh, and in that respect, the the romance between Kira and Han, I really bought into. I I bought into the kind of doomed, you know, uh, young romance of it and um, the idea that they both know or at least Kira knows that it'll never work, it'll never happen they've grown too far apart in the three years they've been away from each other um, uh, I think there's so many little moments in the performance there that really support that and the way, you know, it's a lot of times it's on her face you know, and he's kind of, he's deeply still in love with her and all he's done for three years is think about that and she's, you know, she says it she says, you don't know what I've done you you know, I never left um, She's she's been through a lot and how she got off that planet might tie into what she says when they're sp split apart, you know, in, in the um, um, spaceport uh, she says something about being trafficked or or being sold and, and maybe it all ties into that, you, you really don't know what she's been through and I think the idea that this sort of passionate young love affair could work out is something that hasn't that they both want but hasn't dawned on them really i mean maybe a little bit to her but at the best moment she thinks it can work um the idea that they will be together when the chances are they won't be and um, and obviously we know they won't be he'll end up with leia but um the idea that they'll their paths will cross quite a lot in these 10 odd years before before we were first introduced to Han is, is you know, something that, you know, I think there's a lot of truth in it and I think it's really interesting to, to see play out like this and I, I don't know, I really responded to it. So that passion of youth thing they've got there is, is great. Um, what else have we got? Uh, Lando, Lando's good and he's getting a lot of praise and rightfully so. Um, I love his little uh, Billy D. Williams style uh, voice accent uh, affectation at times, and then sometimes it cracks. And when he's stressed, it isn't there. And then a lot of times he's putting it on, which I really liked. Um, which I think actually um, plays into a, a greater sort of underlying theme in the film, if, you, if you're looking for them, where everyone I think is almost playing a part. Um, Han is is playing cockier than he is. Is playing um, more experienced than he is. Uh, Lando is is sort of playing slightly more reserved, I think, maybe than he is in in you know when he has the accent, it's it's this character he's playing, and then sometimes he it cracks and he becomes this other thing, um, which later obviously he'll be well later they'll both be more comfortable with, um, and I think Kira is obviously she's playing a part. I think it's interesting. If you look at it as a as a film about like um, uh, not knowing yourself yet, that uh, that it's interesting almost that actually it's called Solo and not Han because Solo is the identity he's 
um, given, not who he is. And so you've kind of got uh, um, a sort of uh, this kind of this youthful kind of um, finding yourself thing going on in there, which I, I again, I really liked. I really responded to. Um, and and I think Lando's performance is probably the best or easiest um, version of that. But for me, like L3 st- totally steals the show from him. I'm sure a lot of people are saying Lando's great. And I know there's already calls for a Lando film, but L3 stole this film for me. Uh, I'll go and see the Lando film, but L3 stole this one. I, I really adored L3. Uh, um, I don't know the rest. 3-7? L337, I think. And she kicks off the whole... Uh, the Kessel, uh, on Kessel, the, the, she kicks off the whole um, robot revolution or droid revolution. Uh, and I, I, I don't know why, but I was howling throughout that entire sequence. The the idea of like um, the the one little robot that's just stamping on the desk and the uh, the one that um, uh, is just slapping like a tray against some buttons. And then the one that just kind of goes freedom and pushes a button. And, and you know, her, her chatting to Lando back on the ship and like, You'll never believe what I'm seeing is like, is it a full blown revolution? You know, like I just I just really bought into all that stuff. I just really adored it. Um and later on she has the line of like uh when they're on the Falcon and um and uh Lando goes, Can I get you anything? And she's like, Equal rights and I just loved all the bitey, you know, the the bickering between those two I thought was absolutely adorable. Um and I thought it played it played so it, it sort of felt like the the relationship had so much more um history to it than we see and it was you know even though a lot of things in this film are played very broad i just really adored the interplay between those two um and i love during the rebellion sequence where um uh you get the other wookies introduced and uh han introduces himself to the other wookie that chewie is helping and uh and he, and he just says oh i'm han's friend and um no i'm uh, i'm i'm chewie's friend and uh, the other guy the other Wookiee um, reaches across and ruffles Han's hair. Like um, I thought it was great, a uh, great like perspective gag. Because to the Wookiee, um, uh, Han is just his pet or his sidekick or any jokes anyone's ever made about about um, about Chewie being a being a Wookiee. And um, and I thought that was a great little inversion of that because from a from a from a Wookiee's point of view that the the human's the pet, the human is the sidekick. The, and I it just made me laugh. I just loved the little ruffling of the hair as they went along. As we as we're getting away from Kessel, the the visuals. I mean, in the the Maelstrom, you know, with the uh, the Star Destroyer, you know, and the Tie Fighters, and them them entering the Maelstrom to escape. That was all uh, great. Loved it. Um, the fact that, uh, and it made me laugh when they uh, when they jettison the escape pod. Um, they call the front of the Millennium Falcon where the where the gap is. They call it a mandible notch. I don't know why, but I just I don't know. A mandible notch made me laugh. Um, the I know the backstory stuff has has, has um, been accused of being pandering and stuff to some people, and I, I'm you know I'm just going to talk about what I like here. I usually don't like backstory. Um, oh, too much backstory usually bothers me. I've said on this show before, like my whole backstory is bullshit thing. But I think here most of that stuff was really just pushed to the edges, for me at least. So there's there's the little things like I don't know the the Falcon losing its uh, dish again, him being given the blast or any of that sort of stuff. It all played for me. I think if you maybe if you're focusing on that stuff, you're missing what the film's doing so well around it. I mean, I a lot of it was just like oh I get that or oh that was that. You know, it wasn't. I didn't feel the film was stopping to 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 
give you a reference like that in a and and I wasn't wildly nostalgic about the film. I, I I was enjoying it as a new piece. Yes, it's it's going backwards from what we've already had, but you know it never it never felt like it was clunky and stuff. In in maybe in some other way that uh, uh, Rogue One or, or Force Awakens had little bits of that. I I didn't feel that here. I I you know I responded to. It. I really liked it. I feel like this and the Last Jedi sit quite nicely in my my new and not new enjoyment but my continued enjoyment of star wars uh we, we the, after kessel we go to uh, i forget the name of the planet but where they refine it the non-empire refinery and um and i enjoyed all of that too uh it's that all felt very practical i i don't know where they shot it but it you know there's other than the ships in the background there wasn't a lot of cg there and i liked all the the look of it um, yeah, and the whole ending was a fun kind of trifle of a thing with the double cross and everything, and, and you have that beginning of the rebellion uh, on top of it, so you're a little added weight and a little kind of foreshadowing for later, or you don't even know how this thing's going to expand, but the idea that the the um, the Rebel Alliance just starts from a group of people like that was, you know, was was kind of great in a way. Like, it, it showed where this thing builds from, Um and I enjoyed all of this as it propels towards this this kind of ending, and you don't know where this thing's going to stop exactly or what the ending's going to be because, I mean, theory, you know, if your story structure, you know, some of the things that were buried later at some point, someone was going to turn on someone, whether it was going to be her or whether it was going to be um, Tobias, uh, you know, some something was going to kick off here, and uh, and it did, and it played out, and you had nice little scenes between, you know, before you had the final fight, you had a nice little scene between uh, Kira and Han where where you know the the idealism and her little bit more worldly experience galaxy experience you know is is playing out and he's like i'm an outlaw and she's kind of smiling like you don't even know kid um you know the idea that he's the good guy and you know, and she takes her opportunity to, to you know once dryden voss is dead she takes her opportunity to lead the um the the criminal syndicate and uh, the darth maul cameo which you know was what it was um and you know, I wouldn't call that part of the double cross. I would say that she was, she was taking her opportunity, and I I believe that she did love him, and but it was never going to work. Or you know, it's not the story isn't done yet. In the same way, like when Lando left, you knew that wasn't going to be the end of that story. Like the idea that to some extent these are people in a situation where they have to think of themselves first was something I think the film conveyed very well and that's what I liked about it you had uh, and then sorry uh, going back to where I was it's this simplistic kind of um, version of Han that we have here who is our entryway into this world so there are going to be points at which the world is going to kick back at him you know he I think it's beautifully uh, summarized actually in the you know in the the spin on the classic um uh, I've got a, I've got a good feeling about this. I've got a good feeling about this, and it's just kind of like, yeah, that's the the person he is right now. He's not the cynic, the hand we, you know, will know and love by the time Star Wars kicks off proper. Um, the encounters he has at this point are, he's a different man to the, or he's a boy, I suppose, you know, young man, to the to who he will become, and and I, that's what I think I really liked about it. it was like a different version of his character it's a proto version of who he will become and there was this idealism and and you know arrogance and stuff behind him but he's you know he's going to go out there and he's going to do it like he says in that thing he's uh you know I can look after myself or whatever um if we get more of these I think we'll see him looking after himself and every now and again it will be chipped away and it will be chipped away and it might be the relationship with Kira and how that changes that will do it and and I could happily uh, have two more of these, you know, have a little trilogy of these that 
uh, that come out over 10 years and and tell this story that leads us up to uh, a new hope and i hope for that reason that the film does find its audience i i know as i'm recording this that the the box office numbers for this weekend are starting to come out and those aren't necessarily as positive as i'm being about it but i hope that word of mouth helps the film and i hope like the people that enjoyed it like me um i hope you respond to what i'm saying and i hope that you know if you haven't seen it maybe maybe you will go and see it now i hope you enjoy it i think there's a lot to enjoy in this film and it's uh it's something that i i think between like the last jedi doing what it's doing um and whatever the episode nine becomes and these side stories being like so the the episodes will have to go forwards and the stories can kind of go back they don't all have to be about people we know and love they can be about kind of anything and i think almost in being a very good one about someone we do know quite well but in a world we don't know and in an expanding world we don't know seeing bits of the universe we haven't seen before um this one proves how good these stories can be and how they can be these these kind of big you know what would have been fan films before you know if you can pitch a good idea in the same way the idea for rogue one had you know was a kind of was a fan film idea i think it proves what the 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 anthology stories or whatever we're calling them can be against the main episodes and you know they don't all have to be about characters we know and love but they they can be and they can do new things and then they can do different things and i think if we at its best i think we can get some really really good films out of star wars at, at this speed you know where we get an episode and a story and an episode and a story and then you'll get more and new and different things and the, the universe will expand and i think it's good for star wars I've got a good feeling about this.